by going down to the lower level of our office building and going to the lounge. It was customary. And I guess after maybe a few months of being in the office, I recognized I didn't get any invitations. Now, that could have been because I had a reputation of being a little bit of a holy roller. But nevertheless, invite me. Let me say, no. I might actually say, I'd love to come. Tell somebody, extend the invitation. a little bit about this group 
For those of you who are joining us for the first time or who are not familiar with this particular group, that the Pharisees were the elite, the upper echelon, if you would, the religious leaders of his day. And so it was always an interesting scenario when Jesus had an occasion to teach them. Because what you'll find is before he would begin to teach them, he would kind of have to do an attitude adjustment. Somebody say attitude adjustment. And so on this particular occasion, he had been invited over to dinner at one of the houses of the Pharisees. And so, as you all remember from week one of our series, there was an opportunity for Jesus to see that their hearts were not fully aligned to the will of the Father. And so as a result of that, he said, let me school y'all for a minute. Let me help you understand. Let me break this down for you. And what I love about the way that the word speaks to me, you can see Jesus is plainly teaching them. Real plain. Because he wants them to understand the message. And all of our getting, get what? And so here he has the task of speaking to these self-absorbed, self-righteous people. And in Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, he tells them something that I would say is just a little bit counterintuitive. Would you agree? When you have a party, your first thought is, I want to invite the people that I know, that I enjoy spending time with, to my party. Get out. 
can, but I will read with you, or we can kind of look at it together if we would. Verses, let's look at, start at verse 15. Now, if you're looking at this for the first time, and if you've never seen this passage, I want you to just read it, and then I'm going to break it down for you a little bit, and I'm going to put it into context of what God is telling us on this morning. It's just kind of how we do things at Excel. So, here, at verse 15, we say, hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend the banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this story. He still got stories. <laughs> a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. Somebody say invitations. invitations. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married. I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Are you seeing the pattern? <laughs> After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country, lanes, and behind the hedges, and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Okay, so here's the thing. I like it when we go back to understand the culture. You've got to understand something about the culture and why RSVPs were vitally important. RSVPs were vitally important because when the guests would prepare food, unlike today, they didn't have refrigerators and freezers and Ziploc bags. And so whatever they cooked, whatever they prepared, whatever they slaughtered, needed to be eaten then. And so when they would get the RSVPs, after that would come back, they would know, okay, based on the number of people I have, I will prepare accordingly. So it turns out, just so you know, if it was two to four people, they would have chicken. <laughs> if it was 10 to 15 people, Cheryl, they would have goats. If it was 35 to 75 people, Randy, they would have beef. And if there was five to eight people, they would have duck. And if there was 15 to 35 people, they would have lamb. And I'm so glad I wasn't living right here because I couldn't do the goat. I don't know about you. Miss me with the goat. But you can see from this just how important the invitation was so they could plan accordingly. Don't y'all wish we could give people memos about RSVPs? 
You gotta understand something about the nature of these excuses to understand just how bad these excuses are. So the first one in verse 18 says he just bought a field and he must go and see it. How many of you are homeowners? How many of you went to closing? How many of you went to closing and hadn't seen the house? <laughs> Don't want to associate with the people that those are the ones that I would invite. 
like to my party now. I need you to get two things from this. Not only is this our, as you know, way of being grafted in the kingdom of heaven as God extended the invitation to the Gentiles, but it's also something contemporarily that we are to take from this on this morning. Who have we forgotten about? Who have we not extended the invitation to? Oh, I'm not going to invite her to come to church. No, I think she might be my husband or something. Oh, I didn't invite him to come to church. He never goes to church. That's the point. <laughs> Let him say, no, thank you. Notes, 
not going to read that for you uh, for the sake of time. But I do want you to understand something about this man Asa. Asa was a king who had always been victorious in I don't need to go to church no more. I got what I was trying to 
and he tried to hire somebody to fight his battle for him. He wound up what? Losing the battle. That'll be some good homework for you to, to look at this and to study this thoroughly as you meditate on the word on this week. And so what God showed us in this and what we took away from this is that the first group of people that God was looking for was called what? Are y'all going to remember? Thank you, Randy. One more time. The first group of people that God is looking for is the fully committed. See, y'all like to leave out adjectives. The fully committed. The fully committed. And what he showed us about the fully committed is that the reason why God is looking for those who would not be self-reliant the reason why God is looking for those who will train themselves to listen to the Holy Spirit, and even when it looks like in the natural that this is the way to go, but the Holy Spirit says, no, I need you to go this way, and if they're not led by what they see, but they walk by faith and not by sight, it's because there's another group of people he's looking forward to. And to understand this other group of people, I need you to turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 15, and we're going to quickly look at a few verses that's going to help you see who the second category of people is. I want to read this into your hearing. Tax collectors and other notorious <coughs> sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them the story. He says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, will he joyfully carry it home on his shoulders? When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and have not strayed away. Pause here. It was very unusual for him to teach them a parable and not pause to break down the meaning of that parable. But watch what he does. He launches into another one. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light up a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. And then he doesn't stop it. He's on Who might you imagine? 
explaining our assignment. It helped us to look at what matters to God, and therefore, if it matters to God, and we are the people of God, then that ought to be what matters to us. And so if we're fully committed to God, then our assignment is to find the lost. We saw, though, that we can get off course a little bit with that. One of the things we saw in each one of the parables, and I just kind of want to summarize it for you. If you want to take a picture of it, you can. There were some similarities between those. And if you want to hear them in its entirety, it's a very good message. It's on Spotify, it's on YouTube. But just to summarize the things that you have to know about this as we move forward, in each one of those scenarios, the plot involves something that had been lost. It also was very clear that what was lost mattered to the person who lost it. We delved into great detail on number three. And we talked about when they lost it and recovered it, they were so happy they even threw a party to celebrate what they had lost. And that the fourth thing that we really spent a lot of time with when we talked this, it was, it was very impactful, and it was that because he was speaking to the Pharisees, he needed us to understand that the people that God used in those examples were not necessarily people that the Pharisees would even look up to. You know that shepherd, although we don't consider it this way, in their culture was considered a very lonely profession. The second one involved a woman, practically a third-class citizen. And then although the last one involved a father, we saw last week that there were several things that that father did that they wouldn't even want to be associated. Let's review that real quick as we get our message for today. Turn with me if you want to Luke chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 11 through 19. It said, to illustrate this point further, Jesus told them this story. So we got not one, not two, but three stories back to back without explanation. He says, I, a man was, had two sons. Who's the subject of this? The man. And what's the object? two sons. I need you to hold on to that. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now, before you die. <laughs> Did y'all hear that hush? It just fell out of the air. It's okay, y'all. It's okay. <laughs> uh, he said, before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings, moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. By the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs, and the young man became so angry that he even that even the the, the pigs, the pies he was feeding to the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare. 
I'm not going to keep trying to explain to you that the decisions that you're trying to make won't serve you well. Like my mom used to say, I can show better than I can tell you. You think it's going to be rosy on the other side. So here you go. Take your stuff. You be back. My kids hate it. I always say, Somebody say, Father's mother. Oh. Number two, he kisses the 
the Greek and the Hebrew, and we saw that the way that he kissed him was just over and over and over and over, and kissed the son. Number three, he called for a robe. So while everyone in the village who may see him, who may look down upon him, who may be uh, very angry still about what he did to his father, he signifies to them, you don't get to judge him. This is my child. Your mind to make you feel that you don't belong, to make you feel that you're not wanted. 
close. The question I have for you today, whether you're a visitor and you will be returning to another place that God has called you to serve, or whether or not you are actually just visiting here for the first time and you just really don't know what exactly God sent to you, or whether or not you are a member and you just, you know, kind of be comfortable and you're saying, you know, I, I like this place. But I've been hurt before. Church hurt is something else. Yes. And you know what, Pastor? I'm going to sit right here and watch. Because I'm not ready to do all that. Here's what my question is for you this morning. One of the things that God did when Jesus told the, the next part of the story, if you're looking at the screen, you can take a picture of it. But what he did is he showed, he told the story, and if you know the Greek alphabet, there's this word that's called chi. Looks like an X. And it is the way that stories were told during this time. It was called a chiistic way of telling the story. And so they always had like the first part of an X. They had a rhythm. And if you really are interested, you can go and look through the Bible and you'll see it. And so when we talk about the very last portion of this parable, when the sun comes back, and then Jesus turns, uh, not Jesus, the, the man turns and looks to see that older son's not here. I want him to be a part of the celebration. Where is he? Where did he go? He's mad. We have a hard time understanding that he's mad. But we're very much so that way. How do you mean you're going to do all of this and celebrate him? And he just got back. I was the one that was here slaving. I was the one that was here working. I was the one that was here doing. What do you mean she is the leader of the praise team? She just got saved yesterday. <laughs> Church of 
young and old. Yes. Amen. That's how we have unity when we're in church of black and white and Hispanics. That's how we have unity when we're in church of, 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 of rich and poor. Because none of it matters. What matters to God? That's how we have unity when we're in church of Democrats and Republicans. None of it what? What matters to God? We're going to focus on that. Y'all deal with all that other stuff on your own time. What matters to God? Now he even told us what matters to him. So I leave you with a choice. Will you be a part of God's plan? Yes.